0: Thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. What an incredible time of worship. I hope you were able to feel wherever you are watching the power of the Holy Spirit and God's presence in your life and in that place, as we did here. You know, I'm gonna start by asking you a question. When you, were, when you were a child growing up and you really wanted to get somebody to do something, you might have used this expression, have you remember, I dare you. And if you really wanted to get somebody out of their comfort zone, I mean, you really wanted them to do something that they were really uncomfortable to do, you would pull out the whole, I double dog dare you. And that was the moment of decision. That was throwing the gauntlet down, wasn't it? Well, conversely, when you didn't believe somebody was going to do something that they promised that they would do, you might pull out the old pinky promise do you pinky promise to stick your pinky out and they would throw out their pinky and and that's what we're talking about this summer the summer sermon series begins today and each and every week we're going to talk about the promises the promises of God you know God's word is filled with promises in fact Bible experts tell us that there's as many as 7,000 promises found right here in God's word and we're going to look at one each and every week you know, the promises of God are, are, are God's gift to you and I. Those are the gifts that God says, This is what I desire to do in your life. It's a pinky promise. You might not know the pinky promise started in Japan, and it literally means this finger cut off. And it was because if you broke a pinky promise, then they would come and they would cut off your finger. Now, I don't know about your school, but the school I grew up in, there would be a lot of four-fingered kids running around because there was a lot of broken promises. But I can assure you of this one thing, that God does not break his promise. The promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. And when we put our faith in the word of God and our confidence in God himself, God always comes through. And that's why we wanna look at these promises this this summer. And the first one we're gonna look at is Found to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, "'Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you, that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going.'" Now this is a promise that Jesus himself shared with us. The promise of life after this physical life. A promise of spending eternity with him in heaven. And the simple truth is this, is that Jesus loves us so much that he personally is overseeing the building of our dwelling place in heaven. Our eternal home right there in heaven. There was a group of Sunday school kids that were asked the question, how do you go to heaven? Teacher said, if I sold everything that I possess in my car and I had this huge garage sale and I gave all of my money to the church, would I go to heaven? And the kids shouted, no. She said, well, what if I cleaned my house every day and I came to the church and I cleaned it every day and I mowed the yard and I kept it neat and tidy, would I go to heaven then? And the children said, no. She goes, well, then how? do you go to heaven one little five-year-old boy raised his hand and he said you've got to be dead (laughs) well he's only half true isn't he i mean you actually physically die but we literally go from life to life that if you have a hope and a confidence is found in jesus christ and you've made him the centerpiece of your life and he lives inside of you you go from life to life yeah you physically die but you go from life to life in heaven and so I want to talk about our eternal home right out of this passage. And I want us to see you to hope you're following along in the app and the notes section there. But the first one is this. Jesus has gone to prepare, listen, a better place for us. It's not just a place, but Jesus is going to prepare a better place for us. A better place. No eye is seen, nor ear is heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man, what God has prepared for us. The streets of gold, the pearly gates, I mean, all of the the jewels that will be there. I mean, just the ambiance, the atmosphere of being fully immersed in the presence of God himself. It's gonna be an incredible place, like it's completely indescribable. There's no more sorrow, there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, there's no more disease. It's a place of perfection, a place of perfect rest, a place that we get to walk in and be be received with joy and rejoicing. I mean, there's no place that you've ever encountered like heaven. It's a better place. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a better place for you. But what will happen when you get there? Well, in your notes number one, Jesus tells us you're gonna be united with Christ. You know the heart of Jesus is just to be with you. That's right. In fact, the reason that he sent his Holy Spirit is so that he could be in fellowship with you every single day. He wants to walk with you, he wants to talk with you, he wants to be a part of your life intimately. He wants to have fellowship with you. And and the best place for that to happen is when we're out of this body and we go from life to life and, and we're living in that spirit life and we're in heaven, we can be physically united with our spiritual bodies. We can be united with Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. And that's his heart. He goes, I want you to be with me and I want to be with you. I don't know if you've ever had anybody in your life that you long to be with, that when you weren't in their presence that you just couldn't wait to get back into their presence. You couldn't wait to have that fellowship again. You couldn't wait to be with them, just to experience life. Maybe it was just hanging out, you weren't doing anything special, but you loved them so much that you wanted to be with them. That's the way God feels about each and every one of us. We get to hang out, we get to be with, we get to be united with Christ for eternity. What will happen in heaven, well, number two, you will get to worship God. You know, worship brings the presence of God here, but we will be fully immersed in the presence of God there and we'll be able to worship unencumbered. We'll be able to worship God without restriction. We'll be able to worship God outside of these earthly bodies where we're going to feel the presence and the power of God all around us constantly. And it will cause us out of the overflow of our heart to want to worship the king that sits on the throne. We see that in Revelation chapter 19 and five where they're surrounded by the this round and people of all kinds they're worshiping God. Let me tell you, if you don't like to worship God, you're, you're, you're not going to like heaven because heaven is about worshiping God. In fact, this is kind of a dress rehearsal for the rest of eternity. We get to come in here or we get to be in our cars or in your places of houses of worship today and we get to just worship God no matter what's happening in our world. Whether we're on the high or we're in a low, we learn to train ourselves to worship God because his presence and his power begins to touch us. When we draw to nigh- to God his promises he'll come to close he'll draw an eye to us and thirdly you'll be rewarded Matthew sixteen twenty-seven talks about it that every single thing that we've done for the kingdom of God will be rewarded I want you to know that God is paying attention, that God's watching your life, that God sees what is happening in your world. And God is saying, listen, I want you to know that when you make an eternal difference, when you touch another life, when you are helping spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're transforming lives and you're building up the kingdom, he goes, I'm noticing, I'm watching, I'm a labor in the harvest field with you. We're doing this together. And you're gonna be rewarded someday for everything that you've done. And some of you, I know you have, maybe you have, service jobs or service positions in a church or maybe you're you're calling names every week like we're doing here and you're going man i don't know if anybody noticed i don't know anybody said anything to me in a while i don't know if people even care can i tell you we care but can i tell you even more importantly god cares and god is seeing every single thing that you do in his name and you will be rewarded for in your time in heaven and then thirdly you will know fully Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we only know in part. But when Jesus comes, when we get to heaven, we're going to know fully and be fully known. We're going to be fully known. People are going to know who we are. We're going to know ourselves fully. No longer will that heart be desperately wicked above all things. Who can know? We're going to be fully known, but we're also going to know fully. And then you guys will all find out that the pastor was right about everything. I'm just kidding. I'm sure that all of us are falling short of the glory of God, including myself, but won't it be amazing when we stand in the presence of God and we are, and we are able to have full knowledge of everything that, and every question that we've ever had about God and his kingdom and his word. Number two, what we find right here of this passage that we read in John 14 is that Jesus will come again to take us to be with him. You know, I I don't know if, if we're living a life like we should be in today's world because I think we should be walking with the understanding that Jesus can come back at any moment. In fact, we're dealing with a lot of end time things that are happening all around us and and we need to watch and pray. That's what Jesus said. He said, watch and pray. He said, because someone's gonna come. He's going to come back for his church, a church without spot or without wrinkle. He wants to come back for a bride who's prepared and is ready. He said, I want you to watch and be alert because if it's going to come, it's going to happen like a thief who comes in the middle of the night. When you're least prepared, he's gonna come back for you and I. There's an urgency in those verses and then the voice of Jesus as he's telling the disciples to ready themselves. Church, we need to ready ourselves and be prepared for Jesus' return. And we need to be thinking and having that mindset that it could happen at any moment. You know, I ran across this that talked about the typical family living in the 90s. I know we're not in the 90s, but follow me just for a moment. It said if you're really a person of the 90s and you feel like life is whizzing you by at 90 miles an hour, you work 90 hours a week, you still have 90 items on your to-do list, you're on a 90 calorie diet because you look 90 pounds overweight in your swimsuit, you've got 90 bills to pay and you're already $90 overdrawn but you're still paying $90 a month on your student loan and you're trying to figure out how you're gonna pay $90,000 a year to send your kids to school and you've got 90 channels on your TV and there's still nothing worth watching, amen to that one, and you think everything would be fine if you were just making $90,000 a year. Well, it doesn't seem to me like things have changed much since the 90s to 2020. It seems to me like life is whizzing us by that we just get in a rut, that we keep doing the same things over and over and over. And maybe it's causing us to live without thinking too much about Christ's return. And that was one of the messages, the pillar, the foundational message that Jesus had to the church. He says, I want you to be ready. I want you to watch. I want to come back for my bride. I want to come back and be reunited with you. I want to come back so we can be together. Look at number three in your notes. Jesus said, "He's the only way to heaven." You know, the disciples that day they said, "How will we know the way?" You said, "We know the way," but we don't know the way. How are we going to know the way? Maybe that's your question. How do we really know the way? Is it because I tithe? Is it because of church attendance? Is it because of you know, serving? How do I know the? Way? How do I get in right relationship with God? How do I know the way? And Jesus simply said, "You know the way." The disciples were like, "What?" Yeah, you know the way already, for I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. He was very explicit about that. There's no other way. Heaven is for everyone that wants to reach out and walk through the door, the open door, Who Jesus, who is Jesus. So I'm I'm just asking you right now, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you walked through that door? Because he's the only way, there's no other way. You can't earn your way, you can't work your way, there's no other religion now. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the whole reason that he took the form of flesh and came and dwelt among us, that he might give his life for you and I, so we might be able to be reunited with him someday in heaven. You know, we see the heart of God in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with us. How many, want, how many are thankful for the patience of God? Not wanting any, here's the key, not wanting any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. What does this verse tell us? That God doesn't want one single person to perish. He doesn't want anybody to, to spend any time away from him at all. He doesn't want any person at all to do that. But for every single person, for everyone, to come to repentance. In Matthew chapter 24, 14, I think this is a really important and incredible passage. Because in fact, Jesus, it talked about how Jesus was slow and as some don't understand slow, meaning he's being patient. In fact, he's holding back, coming back. He wants to be with you so much, but he's holding himself back because he wants more people to get on board, more people to understand of his love and his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness and to walk in that newness of life. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Then Jesus will come. He's like, I'm gonna gonna be patient. I'm gonna gonna withhold coming back. I wanna be with you so much. I I just look over the the portal of heaven and I want to come down so bad and be united with you and bring you home. But not everyone has heard the gospel and because they haven't, I'm gonna hold back and be patient just a little bit more so that the gospel can go forward and people can know of how much I love them. You know, Revelation chapter seven, verse nine and 10, it says, You know, John the Revelator was having this incredible vision of heaven. I can't can't imagine what he was seeing and trying to put to words. He said, but when I looked, he said, I saw before me this great multitude that no one could count. From every nation from every tribe, from every people, and from every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can I just tell you something right now? I know there's a lot that's happening in our world and I know there's a lot that's going on even in our own community. But when I look at this verse and I see a glimpse of heaven, it says from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group, from every language, can I tell you that is everyone on this planet. And it's regardless of your color, of your skin, it's regardless of your social economic background, it's regardless, God loves you and he died for you and he sent his son for you and racism has no place in the gospel. No place. And you have to search your heart today, and you have to determine, is there any pride or prejudice or anything in your life that is keeping you from reaching out to our brothers and sisters that don't look like us? Because right here in the gospel, we know what God's heart is. It's that there'll be people from every language, every tribe, every people group, every single person will be represented there surrounded in the throne room of God, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Racism has no part in the gospel, amen. Mm. And it's time for you and I to begin to live this out. This is a challenging moment for us, but this is a time for the church to rise up to that challenge and say, yes, God, we are being empowered by your spirit. We'll let the love of Jesus Christ flow through us. We'll let your life flow through us. And we will be the example that America needs. We'll be the example that the world needs because we know the truth. And the truth is, is that God died for everyone and it doesn't matter what they look like. You know, there's so many people in the world today that they don't understand even how to get to heaven. There was a video that, that was shot just a few years ago where somebody went on the street and they just said, how do you get to heaven? And you would be surprised at how many people have absolutely no idea. I want you to see this video right now and then we'll finish this message, but take a look very carefully. If somebody asked, how do you get to heaven? What would you say? I really, I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't know. You just wait for the time, I suppose. Following the Ten Commandments. um, Being a good person. Be as you are and don't do any, you know, in any sense. If you do right when you're here, (laughs) you got a pretty good avenue to get there. I'm more worried about this life, personally. It's a continual process. It's how you live your life. You can live your life as a good person and be in heaven all the time, or be a miserable person and never reach heaven, but heaven is here. We have There's heaven on earth, I believe. She said that uh, being a good person, uh, but the heaven is actually here. If you treat everybody fairly, I believe that he's gonna look, on, he's gonna look at you. Yeah. In a fair and compassionate way, so I, th- I think of it like that. You're judged on how you've lived your life on earth. It's your choice. You decide you want to live in heaven, you decide you want to live in hell. It's different thing, but don't nobody actually know. so you just have to do what you feel is right. Some of us know, some of us don't know. So I don't know if anybody really has anything, what's real, what's not. Do things right on earth when you're here. Don't don't screw people over. Live a good, clean life living righteously if it was one way then everybody would be that way it's not it wouldn't be all these different religions and different things what do you call is a karma it totally depends on that i think by doing good things and helping other people um is the only way to uh, get to heaven we have to go to church and pray do good things believe in god do good go to church that's a very good question i have no idea i don't presume to know the mind of god well, where's heaven? You're already there. Uh, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Taoist. Uh, we swim in the energy that's been here forever. Uh, we're in it right now. It's it's heaven or hell. It's whatever you create at at your any given moment. What kind of questions are these? Wait, wait Who are you guys? <laughs> what is this? I would say, from what I've been, there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, how do you get to heaven? You. Uh being kind and caring and loving to everybody. Doing the right thing, making the right choices. Ultimately, God says he will forgive all of us. Um, angels? (laughs) Living the good life. I don't believe in heaven. I don't really believe in life after death. Uh, The people who remember you, that you live on in that way, but no other. Be good to one another. Exactly. Do good in life. I don't know, I don't know if there's a heaven or not the enlightenment everybody seeks at the end of their life, I think is kind of just, it's found in the world around you. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I don't really have an answer for that. Before we leave this morning, I want you to know about God's dwelling place that he has prepared just for you. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And I want you to know that if something were to happen to you, that if you were to slip from this life into the next, that you would stand before God and you would hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want you to know, and Jesus wanted his disciples to know. He said, you know the way. And some of you are going, we don't know the way. We don't know the way. Jesus, let me make it easy. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. It's through Jesus. It's not being a good person. It's not living a righteous life. It's not some of those things that we just heard about from those people. And maybe you're, one of your answers would have been just like those people. But I want you to know, when you stand before God and they say, why should I let you in? The only answer is because I am a sinner who's been saved by the grace of God. And I carry a robe of righteousness that he's placed over my life. And that's the only reason why I'm able to enter in because of Jesus' blood that he shed on the cross and he forgave me in my sin. That's the only way. Friend, if you're not certain where you're not certain that you would spend eternity with God, you're not certain that you would go and spend time with Jesus. That dwelling place that He's created for you. Then I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes all over, all over this the internet, everywhere you're watching, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, and I'm asking you to save me and to come into my life. I accept your forgiveness and your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me just say thank you so much for praying the most important prayer you've ever prayed in your life and making the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you prayed that prayer, there is a link right now that is scrolling up in the comment section. Would you click on that? Would you go and join one of our pastors who will pray for you and talk to you and help you understand the decision that you made today? It's so important. We would love to send something to you in the mail and just say, here, these are the steps to get you started in the right path. But congratulations for making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're now part of the family of God. Well, church, we're off to a great start. This summer is going to be incredible with the promises of God. And I want to pray over you before we leave and I'm going to ask God to bless us in Jesus name are you with me? Father thank you for your promises for they are yea and amen to them that believe and we believe in every one of the promises of God there are the potential that you have for us as individuals and for the church and Lord I pray that we would walk in our heavenly potential that we would release the power of God the love of God and the life of God through our lives to make a difference in people's lives and I praise you and I thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.